The following program is a recording of a live broadcast transmitted 7 a.m. Beijing time. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Sui with you on this Friday, July the fifth, twenty nineteen. You are listening to the Beijing Hour live from the Chinese capital. Coming up on our program this morning, China's Commerce Ministry confirms negotiators from China and the U.S. are in communications on the next round of trade talk. An open letter signed by nearly 100 U.S. scholars and former government officials says the current approach to China is counterproductive. Also, China is calling on U.K. officials to stop making wrong remarks on Hong Kong affairs. In business, China Mobile launching double gigabyte initiative to boost 5G coverage. First, your headline news: China and Bangladesh have agreed to advance their cooperation on the Belt and Road Initiative. The agreement was part of the meeting between Premier Li Keqiang and Bangladeshi Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina in Beijing on Thursday. Li Keqiang also proposed two sides to discuss the feasibility of joint study on the free trade agreement. He said more could be done in the building of the Bangladesh-China-India and Myanmar economic corridor, a project that's expected to connect a broad market covering nearly three billion people in the region. Reaffirming her country's commitment to the joint construction of the Belt and Road and the South Asia economic corridor, Hasina said Bangladesh will celebrate the 45th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties with China next year. Thursday's meeting is part of Hasina's three-day visit to China that started on Tuesday. She earlier attended this year's summer Davos Forum in Dalian. Premier Li Keqiang has reaffirmed China's commitment to safeguarding the international system with the United Nations as the core. Meeting with the president-elect of the UN General Assembly in Beijing, Li Keqiang also expressed China's support for the UN body in commemorating the 75th anniversary of the UN's founding next year. Tajani Muhammad Bandi from Nigeria was elected in June to head the UN body for one year, starting in September. His visit to Beijing also included talks with State Councillor Yang Jiechi and Foreign Minister Wang Yi. The Hong Kong police have arrested 22 people in connection with recent protests in the Special Administrative Region. 13 of them were arrested for their roles in storming the Legislative Council complex on Monday. They are charged with possession of offensive weapons, unlawful assembly, assaulting police, and obstructing police officers and execution of their duties. The nine others are under arrest for a range of offenses. Including releasing police officers' personal information online, assessing computers with dishonest intent, criminal destruction, and criminal intimidation. At least 13 people were injured after a 5.6 magnitude earthquake jolted Gongxian County in Sichuan Province. This is the latest and strongest aftershock after a 6 magnitude quake killed 13 residents in the neighboring Chaoling County last month. More than 60 aftershocks with magnitude about three have been recorded since the earthquake. Officials warn that aftershocks in the area will continue for a long period of time. Meanwhile, a 6.4 magnitude earthquake has rattled a large swath of Southern California and parts of Nevada in the United States. There are no immediate known injuries, but some damages to property have been reported. The quake struck hours earlier in the Mojave Desert, about 240 kilometers northeast of Los Angeles. 
Officials suggest it's the strongest quake to hit the region in 20 years. The previous large quake struck the area on October 16, 1999, measuring 71 on Richter scale. ChinaPlus.cri.cn is your home for everything you want to know about China. The latest news in China and everything China-related from around the world. Everything in focus, all in one place, bringing you vital information for your business and travel. Chinese culture, language learning, and more. ChinaPlus.cri.cn. ChinaPlus.cri.cn. Your portal into today's Middle Kingdom. The Chinese Commerce Ministry has confirmed negotiators from China and the United States are in communications on the next round of talks. Addressing a regular press conference in Beijing, spokesman Gao Feng stressed that extra tariffs imposed by Washington on Chinese goods must be scrapped if the two sides reach a trade deal. China always believes that the practice of unilaterally imposing tariffs benefits no one, will eventually harm the interests of American enterprises and their customers, and will bring uncertainty or even recessionary impacts to the world economy. The trade dispute started with the United States unilaterally imposing additional tariffs on Chinese goods. If both sides are to reach an agreement, the tariffs must be totally cancelled. China's attitude on this point. Is clear and consistent. Beijing and Washington resumed the stalled talks following the meeting between Xi Jinping and Donald Trump during last week's G20 summit in Osaka, Japan. Gao Feng has also used the press conference to call on the U.S. side to fulfill its promise of lifting bans on Huawei. Trump announced he would allow American companies to continue to sell components to the Chinese company during the Osaka summit. The Chinese government is calling on the United States to listen carefully to the rational voices and constructive opinions on bilateral relations. The remarks are in response to an open letter concerning China-U.S. ties jointly signed by nearly 100 U.S. scholars and former government officials. The letter calls on the U.S. government to stop making China as an enemy and change its policy towards the country. It also puts forward seven propositions on the Sino-U.S. relationship. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Geng Shuang describes those opinions as rational and objective. We believe that the objective, rational, and practical voices shall eventually prevail. Those paranoid, fanatical, and zero-sum claims. China hopes that the U.S. side can listen carefully to the rational voices and constructive opinions from home and abroad. We hope that, under the consensus reached by our heads of state, the U.S. side can work with the Chinese side to promote the relations based on coordination, cooperation, and stability to achieve sustained and steady progress. In this way, we can deliver greater benefits to the peoples of the two countries and the whole world. The spokesperson says China and the U.S. are not enemies, but they are highly interdependent with shared interests. Therefore, the bilateral relationship should be sound, healthy, and stable, rather than be defined by contradictions or conflicts. For more on the open letter to President Donald Trump, CRI's Zhao Ying earlier spoke with Zhao Hai, research fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Dr. Zhao, I'd like to get your view on this open letter and how does that reflect the debate going on in the U.S. about the policy towards China? Well, I think that debate、uh, has been、uh, not very open and not very clear about the direction. So so far, 
uh, people sometimes talk about there's a consensus in Washington D.C. that somehow uh, people all agreed on certain uh, U.S.-China relations, the nature of U.S.-China relations, or the policy from the U.S. towards China. However, this letter reveals there's still ongoing debate in Washington D.C. and particularly among scholars, there's a strong sense that the current administration, the Trump administration's policy towards China, is on the wrong direction. So I think this letter is very uh, timely and very useful in terms of re- revealing uh, the current uh, nature of uh, Washington debate uh, about U.S.-China relations and, and China policy. However, the very fact that those uh, over 100 uh, China experts, uh, they have to go to a Washington Post and publish a public, public letter uh, to warn the uh, Trump administration and the Congress about the consequences of their current policy towards China shows that how much the current administration is cutting off from those scholars. They're not hearing the expert op- opinions from those scholars. The, they only take um, uh, radical extreme actions uh, and hearing from the extreme people, the hawkish people, uh, their view against China. So I think that shows the difficulties of communication between the traditional established institutions and scholars and experts uh, with the current government. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third, third thing about, uh, I think, uh, the, it's about the timing of this letter coming out, I think is very important because now we're in a very critical stage of China-U.S. Uh, negotiations, and these scholars wanted to influence the future courses of this uh, very important bilateral relation. Mm-hmm. And the member said in this letter, uh, we do not believe Beijing is an economic enemy or an ex- existential national security threat that must be confronted in every sphere. Uh, what's your thought on this? I think this point is particularly uh, uh, criticizing the very popular theory these days called the Thucydides uh, trap, uh, saying that the uh, world number one or the leading power uh, must uh, like destined to fight a war with the, with the uh, challenging power, revisionist power. Uh, so if people believe in that kind of theory, uh, there's no escape from the very thinking that these two powers, U.S. and China, is bound to go to conflict. And China is an existential so-called national security challenge for the United States. And I think these scholars have uh, shown that uh, that's not the case. And uh, in, in China, many policymakers and uh, the, you know, the so-called moderate, pragmatic uh, uh, people are taking very different approach uh, than American, uh, some Americans think. And the letter also says the U.S. efforts to treat China as an enemy and decouple it from the global economy will ultimately undermine the economic interests of all nations. Uh, I mean, what's their reasoning on on this point? Yeah, this point is also pointedly criticizing the current uh, U.S. policy, particularly those people advocating decoupling U.S. and China economically, uh, particularly in high-tech areas. So I think uh, they are uh, saying that if you decouple these two economies, and then you're hurting not only U.S. and China, but global economy. And that has been so far uh, verified and supported by the fact that the global economy is slowing down and the trade globally is slowing down. There are numbers uh, already coming out uh, showing that the decreasing of global trade because of U.S.-China trade war. Uh, So I think this um, point uh, also reminds those policymakers that their uh, policies toward China has global consequences. That's Zhao Hai with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences speaking with CRI's Zhao Ying.
The Chinese government is once again urging UK officials to stop making wrong remarks on Hong Kong affairs. This comes after the British Foreign Office summoned Chinese ambassador to the UK Liu Xiaoming, who criticized the UK for interfering in China's internal affairs by supporting law-breaking acts during a protest on Monday. British Prime Minister Theresa May has also reportedly called on the Chinese side to respect Hong Kong's autonomy. Her remarks come after Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt said he supports Hong Kong residents to pursue freedom amid Monday's protest. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Geng Shuang. Mr. Hunt was the one who kept making erroneous remarks on Hong Kong affairs these days. It looks like a new person has taken the floor today, meddling again in Hong Kong affairs. I don't know if there's any collaboration behind, but China has made very clear response to Mr. Hunt's wrong remarks, and the same also applies to similar remarks by other British officials. With a bit of restraint, I won't elaborate on that today. But if some people in the UK choose to stick to their wrong ways and commit the mistakes again and again, then I have to talk it over again with them. Hong Kong police said 13 people had been arrested in relation to Monday's violent protest, which saw protesters storm into and vandalize the Legislative Council complex. Those arrested have been charged with offenses, including possessing offensive weapons, unlawful assembly, and assaulting police officers. Chinese Ambassador to Britain Liu Xiaoming has urged the British side to seriously reflect on its wrongful remarks and actions on Hong Kong and to stop any types of interference in China's internal affairs. I think the relationship, in a way, has been damaged by the interference of the British government in Hong Kong because, as I said, the fundamental principles guiding our two countries is mutual respect, non-interference into internal affairs. If British government go further, it will cause further damages. So that's why I'm calling the British government to reflect the consequences of its words and deeds with regard to Hong Kong. Liu expounded China's firm position on the recent violent act of storming the Legislative Council complex in the Hong Kong SAR. The ambassador said that the British government has chosen to stand on the wrong side in the matter. He said Britain has made inappropriate remarks not only to interfere in affairs of Hong Kong, but also to back up the violent lawbreakers. I think it's totally wrong for Jeremy Hunt to talk about the freedom. This is not a matter about the freedom. It's a matter about breaking laws in Hong Kong. It's very disappointed when the senior officials of his caliber to show support of these law-breaking people. We all remember what Hong Kong was 22 years ago under British rule. There's no freedom, democracy, whatever. We all know that governor, all governors were appointed by the British government. People have no right to elect its officials, no right to demonstrate, certainly, and they do not even have a right to have an independent judicial power. Liu stressed that Hong Kong is a special administrative region of China, not under the British colonial rule, and Hong Kong affairs are absolutely China's internal affairs, which by no means tolerate interference by any countries. Belarus has held a military parade in Minsk to celebrate the country's Independence Day. One of the highlights of the event was the participation of 96 Chinese soldiers. 
This is the second time that the Chinese army has attended the country's Independence Day event. Their performance impressed Minsk residents. I'm very happy. I feel so happy that I want to dance. I'm so excited. This year's parade is very unique. It's so nice to see the participation of the Chinese PLA. Everything is wonderful. Chinese student Cheng Shuang, who studies in Minsk, has also observed the performance of the PLA. We chased the Chinese army to where they waited for their vehicles, and we sent them off just now. I feel so proud to be Chinese. Over 5,000 military personnel took part in a parade, which involved over 280 wheeled and track vehicles, as well as about 50 airplanes and helicopters. The Belarus Independence Day was declared a state holiday in 1996. It's celebrated on July the 3rd to mark the liberation of Minsk from Nazi invaders. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. 60 minutes of comprehensive news. Your window on China and the world. Somalia has announced the severing of diplomatic ties with Guinea, accusing the West African country of violating its sovereignty. The announcement comes after the visit by the leader of the semi-autonomous Somaliland region to Guinea's capital Conakry. In announcing the decision, Mogadishu also warned other countries against forcing forging closer ties with leaders of Somaliland. Formerly a British protectorate, Somaliland merged with former Italian Somaliland in 1960, in 1960 to create today's Somalia. The region declared independence in 1991 and has been on shuttle diplomacy to build its case for recognition. Iran's foreign ministry has summoned British ambassador to Tehran, Robert Macaire. After Britain seized the country's oil tanker in the Strait of Gibraltar, the Iranian Foreign Ministry called the seizure of Iranian oil tanker as illegal. Earlier, acting Spanish Foreign Minister Joseph Borrell said that Gibraltar detained the super tanker Grace One after a request sent by the United States to Britain. Naturally, we were aware of this operation. Police patrol boats were guarding the area, but we are studying the circumstances in which it happened. It was a demand by the United States to the United Kingdom, and we are looking into how it affects our sovereignty because it happened in what we understand are Spanish waters. Barrell said Britain, Spain was looking into the seizure of the ship suspected of carrying crude oil to Syria and how it may affect Spanish sovereignty, as the incident appears to have happened in Spanish waters. European Council President Donald Tusk says he welcomes the gender balance in the European Union, as its leaders have nominated women for half of the bloc's top positions for the first time. We managed to make these decisions on time, and actually much more quickly than five years ago. I believe they are good choices. For the first time in our history, the European Council proposed two women and two men. To lead the key EU institutions, I feel happy and proud that we have achieved perfect gender balance in the top positions. This is a very positive change. Europe is not only talking about women; it is choosing women. I hope that this choice will inspire many girls and women to fight for their beliefs and passions. And I also hope that it will inspire. The European Parliament in its decisions. 
German Defense Minister Ursula von der Leyen has been nominated as the next European Commission President, the first female head of the EU executive. International Monetary Fund's Christian Lagarde is nominated to be President of the European Central Bank. After a blazing golf Notre Dame, a heated debate ensued over how best to restore the Gothic Cathedral to its former glory. A medieval castle tucked away in the French countryside may hold some of the answers. CRI's Chi Huiguang has more details. In France's central Burgundy region, nestling between the woods and the countryside, is Guidelin Castle. When construction began in 1997, visionaries wanted to build an entire castle using only period construction techniques. At this site, builders in medieval cloth-cut and assembled stones using a manually operated giant hamster wheel to lift loads of stones. Their experience could help in the restoration of the Notre Dame Cathedral, which caught fire on April the 15th. Maryline Martin supervises the on-site construction at the castle. She says her team has unparalleled experience in building a wooden frame, as it would have been done in the 13th century. Dans le domaine de la charpente, il y a des charpentiers en, dans, en France qui sont capables de retailler les. When it comes to the timber rooftop structure, there's no doubt carpenters in France are capable of cutting wooden pieces to remake the structure of the Notre Dame. On the other hand, the ability to work with green oak, as it was done in the Middle Ages, square it by hand on the spot and assemble it. Within the following six months, is something that we are truly specialized in here at Gidelon. Although Notre Dame's iconic bell towers and rose windows were saved from the fire, restoring the church to its original character will prove a complicated task. Stephen Bardi, a senior carpenter at the Gidelon Castle Workshop, joined the team in 1989 at the onset of this architectural adventure. We won't be the ones to rebuild a wooden structure like that of Notre Dame because we just don't have the manpower. But after 20 years in this construction site, we've acquired the expertise and experience to train people and mentor them in order to reproduce that wooden structure. In a bid to restore the Gothic landmark, the Association of Scientists for the Restoration of Notre Dame was formed to advise the French authorities in charge of the reconstruction. François Blary, an archaeology and art history professor at Brussels Free University, is part of the advisory body. The team of Guédelon can play an interesting role in the restoration of Notre Dame, particularly when it comes to technical expertise employed in the Middle Ages. However, they can be more useful in the study of the building itself. Then its actual restoration. We can't imagine the same structure as it was in the Middle Age. It's not helpful to plan an identical reconstruction with Middle Age techniques. We can think of a 21st century type of restoration that could very closely resemble the original construction. This will need to be conducted by taking into account all the new important elements related to the structure stability. Stones at Gidelin are excavated by hand using mallets, chisels, and persistent hammering. Medieval tools and working practices have been closely researched using documentary sources and examining castle ruins. 
but with a lack of specific architectural and engineering information on 13th century medieval techniques, the construction of Gidlin has gone through its fair share of trials and errors. When it comes to Notre Dame, President Emmanuel Macron has set a goal of rebuilding the cathedral in just five years, which some experts consider simply an impossible timeline to meet. For CRI, I'm Chu Huiguang. A new generation of robots is being used for work in hostile environments like nuclear power stations. Scientists are even devising a robot spacesuit to help stop the muscle atrophy experienced by astronauts on long space flights. CR's Daniel Budaleti has this report. Nuclear power stations might pose less of a threat to the environment outside than plants powered by fossil fuels. But on the inside, they have areas that pose extreme hazards to human health. Scientists at a number of universities are developing robots that can go into areas where humans can't. Some of these robots here have already been put through their paces. Dr. Matthew Nance Kivel from the Manchester University is part of an organization called Robotics and AI in Nuclear Research. He's one of the scientists working on new robot designs. So it's designed to go down the pipe, check if there's any radiation, leaks, corrosion, or hot spots, and either clean it up or just characterize the environment for workers to decommission. Outer space is also an exceptionally complicated environment for humans to live and work. Plans for long missions would have astronauts in orbits for up to a year at a time. Studies by the American space agency NASA have shown that astronauts. Can experience severe muscle wasting even during short missions, because the lack of gravity means their muscles have to work only a fraction of the efforts that they do down here on Earth. Some astronauts have lost 20% of their muscle mass on missions lasting between five to 11 days, because the need to maintain muscle mass in zero gravity is such a concern. Scientists at the Hamilton Center for Robotics at Imperial College are creating a prototype of a multi-layered spacesuit. The bottom layer will have sensors that measure compounds in the sweat of the wearer to assess their health. An outer part of the suit is being designed to work their muscles even when the astronauts have finished exercising. Bruno Gill is one of the Imperial College scientists. Right now, to overcome it, we, you can do exercise, or we are trying also to develop some type of uh, feedback that uh, creates uh, stress over your body. So basically, we are trying to create something that produces uh, forces all around your body, located forces, especially in your in your muscles. That that will be integrated in the outer, outer suit. Asked whether robots can replace humans entirely on very long-distance missions, Dr. Ron Driffler from NASA Space Center had this to say: "No, our goal is never to replace the astronauts; it's to augment the astronauts, to help the astronauts in various ways, be assistance to astronauts, take risks for astronauts, but always help the astronauts. They can do their most important mission of science and exploration." Whether it's deep into space or to deadly places right here on Earth, robots are helping people to boldly go where no man has gone before. For CRI, this is Zanele Butelezi. Time for a short break here on the Beijing Hour. Still to come in business: China Mobile launching double gigabyte initiative to boost 5G coverage. In sports, Frank Lampard is confirmed as the new head coach of Chelsea. 
Entertainment Chinese superstar choreographer and dancer Yang Liping will return to Australia with a stunning new show. So far this hour, China's Commerce Ministry confirms negotiators from China and the United States are in communications on the next round of trade talks. An open letter signed by nearly 100 U.S. scholars called for a new approach to China. So we with you on this Friday morning. Stay with here on the Beijing Hour. Want to know what's trending in China? China Plus News Facebook page helps you to discover the real China, from the latest news to quirky Chinese inventions, videos, photos, live streaming, and more. Join in the conversation today by searching for China Plus News on Facebook and discover its news, its people, its traditions and culture. China Plus News Facebook page. Open your eyes to the real China. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour. One hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Sui with you on this Friday morning. Still to come in business, China Mobile launching double gigabyte initiative to boost 5G coverage. In sports, Frank Lampard is confirmed as the new head coach of Chelsea. Entertainment Chinese superstar choreographer and dancer Yang Liping will return to Australia with a stunning new show. A number of ways to contact us: you can send us an email, beijinghour at cri dot com dot cn. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for China Plus News. Now your headline news: China and Bangladesh have agreed to advance their cooperation on the Belt and Road Initiative. The agreement was part of the meeting between Premier Li Keqiang and Bangladeshi Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina in Beijing on Thursday. Li Keqiang also proposed the two sides to discuss the feasibility of joint study on a free trade agreement. He said more could be done in the building of the Bangladesh-China-India and Myanmar economic corridor, a project that is expected to connect a broad market covering nearly three billion people in the region. Reaffirming her country's commitment to the joint construction of the Belt and Road and the South Asia Economic Corridor, Hasina said Bangladesh will celebrate the 45th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties with China next year. Thursday's meeting is part of Hasina's three-day visit to China that started on Tuesday. She earlier attended this year's Summer Davos Forum in Dalian. The Hong Kong police have arrested 22 people in connection with recent protests in the Special Administrative Region. 13 of them were arrested for their roles in storming the Legislative Council complex on Monday. They are charged with possession of offensive weapons, unlawful assembly, assaulting police, and obstructing police officers and execution of their duties. The nine others are under arrest for a range of offenses. Including releasing police officers' personal information online, accessing computers with dishonest intent, criminal destruction, and criminal intimidation. Somalia has announced the severing of diplomatic ties with Guinea, accusing the West African country of violating its sovereignty. The announcement comes after the visit by the leader of the semi-autonomous Somaliland region to Guinea's capital. In announcing the decision, Mogadishu also warned other countries against forging closer ties with leaders of Somaliland. Somaliland declared independence in 1991 and has been on shuttle diplomacy to build its case for recognition. Turning to business news, we will start with the closing numbers in North America and Europe. U.S. market closed for Fourth of July celebrations. In Europe, European markets remain cautious. 
despite Wall Street closing at record highs Wednesday as trade war concerns lingered. Markets have been subdued with the U.S. shut for business for the Fourth of July holiday. The selection of the International Monetary Fund and managing director has bolstered expectations of further monetary policy easing later this year. At a closing bell, the UK's FTSE 100 was a little bit lower than flat. German's DAX and France's CAC 40 were slightly higher than flat. China Mobile has pledged to implement a so-called double gigabyte initiative, which will support super-fast internet connection for both mobile and fixed broadband connections. The company says it will allocate 100 billion yuan to facilitate internet infrastructure construction to achieve this in 100 cities by the year of 2020. Its Shanghai branch launched a pilot program last month to recruit business partners to develop a series of con- consumer-facing 5G applications related to finance, gaming, and family entertainment. Individual users can also apply online to be a part of the 5G trials. Data from the Ministry of Commerce shows China's service trade climbed to three and a half percent year on year, to over two trillion yuan in the first five months of the year. Service exports rose ten percent. Imports reached over one trillion yuan, leading to a deficit of more than six hundred billion yuan, down ten percent from a year earlier. Imports of knowledge-intensive services went up ten percent, while the exports increased twelve percent. In May alone, service exports expanded 11 percent from one year earlier, faster than the growth recorded in the first four months. The growth came amid strong development of China's service industry, which accounted for over 50 percent of its total GDP last year. Amazon says will enhance speed of delivery and offer more global products in the Chinese market. As the tech giant is facing increasingly fierce competition from local e-commerce rivals, customers can now enjoy faster delivery of overseas products in three working days for 82 cities in China. The head of Amazon Global Store says the company has not set a limit for the investment amount in the Chinese market, stressing the company's focus on China's business has not changed. The store covers top destinations of Chinese consumers' cross-border shopping, including the United States, the United Kingdom, Japan, and Germany. Sales revenue on the store achieved double-digit growth in the first quarter. A forecast by PwC shows nearly 100 companies would hopefully get listed on China's recently launched Nasdaq-style high-tech board this year. The new board is also known as the Star Market. The Shanghai Stock Exchange had accepted 141 companies' applications for initial public offering on the star market by June. Most companies are in four sectors: information technology, biomedicine, high-end equipment manufacturing, and new materials. PwC says the first batch of companies is expected to be listed this month. In the first half of this year, China's A-share market recorded 64 IPOs, roughly the same as the number in the same period of last year. Data from the National Bureau of Statistics shows that most production goods posted lower prices in late June compared with the previous 10 days. Of the 50 major goods monitored by the government, including gasoline, coal, and some chemicals, 25 goods saw their prices fall from June 21 to June 30. Prices of live pigs went up 6%, while liquefied natural gas dropped 3%. 
China is working on a new energy vehicle industry development plan for the period from 2021 to 2035. The Ministry of Industry and Information Technology is leading the 15-year plan in a bid to clarify the country's development path for the industry. The plan will reward or punish automakers with positive or negative credits on their car models' fuel consumption. Traditional vehicle makers may need to buy some credits from NEV manufacturers or improve fuel efficiency and develop their own NEV business to avert penalties. China has been has seen a boom in NUV sales, despite a sluggish automobile market in general. China's NUV sales reached over 460,000 units in the January to May period, up for up 42 percent year on year. Swiss industrial technology leader will open a new innovation center in Shenzhen in the second half of this year. ABB Group says will provide solutions for smart building development. The director of the smart buildings business line of ABB says the company will help China to promote energy efficiency and minimize carbon emissions. ABB has also opened a new customer experience center in Beijing to highlight the development of smart cities with carbon-free transportation and energy savings. Chinese automaker Zhejiang Jili and IT giant Baidu have announced their artificial intelligence partnership. The two parties will jointly explore the development of AI applications in the automotive ecosystem, intelligent connectivity, and smart mobility. They aim to accelerate the large-scale popularization of intelligent connected vehicles in China and internationally. For more on this, we're joined by Doug Yang, company news chief with the English edition of Caixin. So, Doc,、uh, Baidu's move recently、uh, shown the company's ambition in becoming a leader in the autonomous driving. So, how do you see the general sector, the development of Chinese automo- autonomous driving market in the next couple of years? Well, Baidu is is one of several players.、Uh, Alibaba and Tencent.、Uh, the usual suspects are also doing autonomous driving.、Um, honestly speaking, I don't. You don't really hear too much about、uh, what's happening here in, in autonomous driving.、Uh, I do get the sense that it's, it's and Baidu had their big developer conference here in Beijing this week, and, and they were talking all about it. But you don't really see too much、uh, about you know roads in Beijing being opened up, or sorry, roads in China being opened up for testing. I, I get the sense that it's probably not quite as advanced here as, as it is in, in say the U.S. Mm. Um, but you know, Baidu is, is certainly trying to become the, the leader in this space, and they they keep announcing different partnerships and and things like that. But you don't really see like a lot of、uh, video or anything like that of their their driverless cars, and you don't really hear about driverless pilots or anything like that. So hard to say, but I I don't get the sense that it's quite as advanced here as it is, like I said, in, in places like the U.S. Mm. And what about the competition, domestic competition among major tech players,、uh, like between Baidu and maybe Alibaba in this sector? Yeah, I mean,、uh, Baidu again. This is all. I'm, I'm not like a super expert on the area, but just based on sort of what you see in here, it does seem like Baidu is, is certainly being the most aggressive in the area.、Uh, they do keep announcing partnerships, and like I said, they've got this Apollo program that's. It's supposed to be like an open source、uh, platform for people to develop、uh, self-driving app apps. So、uh, I, I think 
think Baidu, again, this is all based on impressions, but it does seem like Baidu is probably ahead of, of Alibaba. You don't really hear much about their efforts at all. Tencent seems to be, they seem to be doing things, but uh, again, it's, it's all very low profile. If they're, if they're making big advances, we're, we're certainly not hearing too much about them. And relatedly, uh, we just reported China is uh, working on a new energy vehicle uh, development plan between the year of 2021 to 2035. Uh, in this plan, uh, traditional vehicle makers may need to buy some credits from clean energy manufacturers or, or improve their own fuel efficiency. So how, how do you see the prospect of uh, a clean energy vehicle market in China? Well, this is a different area from self-driving cars. I mean, this is all sort of high-tech cars. Uh, new energy vehicles in China, I've always been a little skeptical. I mean, there's, there's, there's really big sales going on right now, or at least they're the biggest in, in the world right now is a, a market, but a lot of it's being driven by subsidies. And uh, just recently, I think a week or two ago, some uh, expert was quoted saying, China's charging stations aren't efficient, and then it's causing all these batteries to, you know, go bad early, and they're going to have this big problem with with a lot of bad batteries later. And this is very typical China. You know, they try to rush out these new technologies before they're quite ready, and and do all kinds of things like you know these uh, incentives, uh, subsidies to get people to buy them, and it doesn't end up working out quite well. But it's, it's still early days. I mean, China is certainly producing a lot of, of these uh, electric cars. Thank you very much, Doc. As always, uh, that was Doc Yang, Company News Chief with the English edition of Caixin. Everything in focus all in one place. China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and the stories that matter to you. Search for China Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Time for our sports segment. Join me in the studio is Yang Guang. Thank you. So in Wimbledon tennis action, Rafael Nadal overcame the challenge from Nick Kyrgios in the blockbuster game to progress into the third round. Kyrgios spent much of the game questioning Nadal's speed of play and was handed an official warning by the umpire. The Australian also served underarm twice, which Nadal had previously described as disrespectful. But world number two, Nadal led the tennis talk and prevailed in four sets: six, three, three, six, seven, six, seven, six. Well, happy for the victory. Of course, had been a, a tough match, uh, obviously against a, a very tough opponent, and、um, I played a great first set. First set, I think, but the things started very well for me, you know, with that break, early break, and then.、Um, Serving comfortable in all the in all the service games, you no, know, until the last one that was thirty old, but I closed it well. You no, know. so in general terms,、uh, have been a very positive first set. Tough beginning of the second, but then I came back. Elsewhere, eight-time champion Roger Federer beat British wildcard Jay Clark in straight sets to reach the third round. Also through to the next round is number eight seed Kei Nishikori, who cruised past the Cameron Norrie in straight sets. Meantime, Andy Murray made a winning return to Wimbledon in the men's doubles. He paired up with Pierre Herbert to beat Morio's Copil and Hugo、uh, Hugo Humbert in four sets in the first round. On the women's side, defending champion Angelique Kerber was knocked out in the second round by world number ninety-five Lauren Davis. Yeah, of course I'm disappointed. Of course, it's not the way I would like to finish here or to play here. But you have sometimes days like that, and、uh, you have to accept it. You have to 
learn from it and uh, you know to trying to forget this as soon as possible. Chinese top player Wang Qian made the breakthrough to reach her first Wimbledon third round. She needed less than an hour to beat Tamron Zidensek 6-1-6-2. Fellow Chinese Wang Yafan though was stopped by American Sloane Stephens in two sets. Elsewhere, Serena Williams, top seed Ashley Barty, and the sixth seed Petra Kvitova all made it through safely. In Copa America action, underdogs Peru stunned two-time defending champions Chile in the semi-final and set up a final against host Brazil. It will be Peru's first final appearance in Copa since 1975, when they last time won the South American tr-、uh, competition. Coach Ricardo Garisa says they are confident to copy the success. Once you are already so far, even knowing how difficult it's going to be to play against Brazil due to their team, their individual qualities, we know it is a final, and the finals are something totally different. Hopefully, we can play a good game because our idea is that when you are playing a final, there is not other option rather than winning it. So that's our mentality. We have fully confidence on them. The result ended Chile's hopes of becoming the first team to win three straight South American trophies since Argentina in the 1940s. Chile and Argentina, who met in the last two Copa America finals, will play in the third-place game on Saturday. Dutch football player Arjen Robben has announced his retirement at the age of 35. Robben, whose Bayern Munich contract expired in June, was hampered by injuries last season. He had been looking for a new team after playing his last game for the German club. Robben says in a statement that hiding up his boots is the most difficult decision he has had to make in his career. Robben played with Bayern for 10 years, with his career highlight in 2013, when he helped the team win the treble with a winning goal in the Champions League final against Borussia Dortmund. The left-footed right winger also played for Real Madrid and Chelsea in his 19-year career. He also helped the Netherlands to the 2010 World Cup final, which they lost to Spain. Frank Lampard has been named as the new head coach of Chelsea. Where he spent 13 years as a player, he signed a three-year deal with the club, replacing Maurizio Sarri, who left Chelsea just after one season in charge to take over at Juventus. Lampard says this is the biggest challenge of his career. My playing career is done, so it's great memories, great challenges along the way,、um, and I always loved the challenge. Coming here 19 years ago was a challenge because I remember driving home and、uh, I had the radio on, and some people were questioning whether I should be here for 11 million pounds. Um, I worked really hard to try and put that right as a player, and now I'm in a position where I'm going to work really hard to be successful as a manager here. The challenge is for me here at a club like Chelsea to, to show that now going forward. Lampard had been in charge for of a Championship side derby for 14 months in his first job in management. The 41-year-old received much praise for taking the club to the Championship playoff finals, even though they missed out on promotion to Aston Villa. His first league game with Chelsea next season is away against Manchester United in their English Premier League opener next month. Former Italian national team goalkeeper Gianluigi Buffon has completed an emotional return to former club Juventus. 41-year-old Buffon spent 17 years with the Turin Giants before joining Paris Saint-Germain last summer. He has signed a one-year contract with the Italian champions. Buffon only needs to make eight more Serie A appearances to break the record of 647 currently held by AC Milan legend Paolo Maldini. 
The 2019 Summer Universiade has opened in Naples, Italy, with a splashy opening ceremony in the main San Polo Stadium. In a nod to the hosts, Napoli football club captain Lorenzo Insigne led the Universiade cauldron with the kickoff of flaming ball. International University Sports Federation President Oleg Matsinsky welcomed the student athletes from around the world to enjoy their time in Italy. Some of you have traveled from far away, others from places that are closer. But in coming to Italy, all of our journeys have connected with the history of university sport and also with the future. It is here in Italy that University. Started 60 years ago, 8,000 university athletes from 127 countries will take part in the Olympic-style event, which lasts until July 14th. China sent a delegation of 200 athletes to the event. They will compete in over 140 events in 14 sports. On opening match day, China's Song Shoulin claimed the first title of the games as she won the women's one-meter springboard diving. Her compatriot Wu Shoutin took silver. In volleyball, Brazil and Turkey both booked their places in the last four of the Women's Nations League finals in Nanjing. Brazil came from behind twice to beat Poland 3-2 in Group A. Poland, who also lost 3-1 to the United States on Wednesday, was thus eliminated from the tournament. It also means U.S. qualified for the semi-finals. In Group B, in Group B action, Turkey beat Italy in straight sets to record two wins in a row. China and Italy will fight for the only semi-final berth remaining when they meet later today. For breaking news and stories that matter to you, find us on Twitter by searching for China Plus News, where we'll share with you our up-to-the-minute news, in-depth analysis, and live streaming videos. Visit China Plus News for your window on China and the world. And in the world of entertainment and culture, the world's first exhibition on Tibetan culture along the ancient Silk Road has opened in the Dunhuang Mogao Grottoes in Gansu Province, entitled "Cultural Exchange Along the Silk Road: Masterpieces of the Tubal Period." The exhibition presents the art and cultural achievements along the road over the past that part of history, with more than 120 artifacts ranging from silk fabrics, royal crowns, to articles for daily use. Zhao Shengjiang, Zhao Shengliang is the president of the Dunhuang Academy. We want to highlight the cultural exchanges along the Silk Road, but of course, it's centered on the Tubo period. Dunhuang, in ancient times, was a place with a multitude of ethnic cultures. So showcasing these domestic and overseas relics here is especially significant. The Palace Museum and the National Museum of China are among the 22 Chinese cultural exhibition institutions that have precious relics on display. Australian audiences will have the chance to see Yang Liping's celebrated new show, Rite of Spring, when the Chinese superstar, choreographer, and dancer returns to the Brisbane Festival in the state of Queensland. Organizers revealed on Thursday that following the success of Yang's previous work *Under Siege* at 2017's Brisbane Festival, Aussies would once again be treated to her unique blend of Chinese aesthetics. And modern expression when this year's festival takes place in September. Rite of Spring, which premiered in Shanghai last year, reinvents Igor Stravinsky's class score by telling a traditional Chinese story with the addition of Tibetan classical music. 
The Angry Birds Movie Two by Reveal Anim- Animation and Sony Pictures Animation will hit Chinese mainland big screens. A sequel to Angry Birds, the new film is loosely based on Reveal's Angry Birds video game series, but we'll see the birds and piggies team up against new enemies. Look, Fred, I know we've had our differences. I come in peace. The 2016 film grows over 500 million yuan at the Chinese mainland box office. The opening date of the new film on the mainland had yet to be announced. Chinese audiences can enjoy a series of recordings of William Shakespeare's plays in cinemas as the 2019 Shakespeare on Screen Festival kicked off in Beijing. The festival commenced with the screening of King Lear, presented by National Theatre Live in the United Kingdom, in which the、uh, titular character is portrayed by acclaimed stage actor Sir Ian McLean. The festival is supported by the British Council, a UK-based international organization for cultural relations. is scheduled to take place in about 20 cities, including Beijing, Shanghai, and Chongqing. Celebrity personnel trainer Harley Pasternak assures it's never too late to get that summer body. Pasternak said the most common excuse he hears from clients is finding the time to get fit. I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to to cook elaborate meals. And so I wrote a book called The Body Reset Diet, which is based on blending. So these are thirty second, sixty second meal preps、um, and workouts that are as little as five minutes a day. So on the show this year, you'll see the Sexy Seven, and it's one exercise a day, a different exercise each day of the week for as little as five minutes a day. Pasternak has worked with many stars, including Halle Berry, Jennifer Hudson, and Megan Fox. is also one of the trainers featured on E Entertainment's Revenge Body with Nicole Kardashian. The Beckhams are celebrating 20 years of being married. Soccer star David Beckham and Spice Girl Victoria Adams, nicknamed as Posh and Bax, married on July the 4th, 1999, in Castlenock, Ireland. Despite only being four months old at the time, their son Brooklyn acted as ring bearer at the ceremony. Victoria's dress was designed by Vera Vaughn and had a 20-foot train. She also wore a gold tiara for her big moment. The couple has four children together: Brooklyn, Romeo, Cruz, and Harper. Before we go, a quick check on the weather. Beijing will see thunder showers with a high of 33 degrees Celsius. Overnight temperatures should drop down to 22. Chongqing will be cloudy with a high of 30 and a low of 22. Lhasa will see moderate rain with a high of 23 and a low of 12. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news this morning: China's Commerce Ministry confirms negotiators from China and the United States are in communications on the next round of their trade talks. An open letter signed by nearly 100 U.S. scholars and former government officials says the current approach to China is counterproductive. Also, China has been calling on U.K. officials to stop making wrong remarks on Hong Kong affairs. On behalf of the staff, this is Sui in Beijing. Hoping you will join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.